0: 1, 2, 3, four. Palapalooza Palapalooza We're talking to you I'm
1: Palapalooza
0: hey! Hello San Diego, thanks for tuning in to Palapalooza I'm your host Troy Cook This week we touch base with a few of our favorite local venues The Casbah, Soda Bar, and the Moreau We chat with Tim Mays, the owner of the Casbah, Corey Steyer, the owner of Soda Bar, and Shiloh, our favorite sound guy over at the Moreau. Just checking in with them to see if there's any way we can help during this downtime, and also to get their insight on when local shows will start back up. Visit their websites to purchase merch while doors are closed. Merch sales are certainly helping out these local venues during the downtime. Be sure to visit saveourstages.com It's a good way to contact state and local legislators to save independent music venues. Just doing my little part here as a podcaster to help out all these local venues. Enjoy. Hello? Mr. Tim May is Troy Cook Palapalooza. How are you, sir? Hey, good. How
2: going?
0: Good, buddy. Just over 30 years as the owner of the Casbah here in San Diego, correct?
2: Yep. In our 31st year right now, actually.
0: Have you been through crazier times? Never. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that.
2: Yeah, never. I mean, there's there's been ups and downs over the years, but, you know, it's been uh, pretty much an upward arc steadily, you know, especially the last few years have been really great. Right. Um, I think the last time we had any difficulty, I mean, we've never had to close for any period of time, but last time we were, you know, in a financial strait similar to this was, in two thousand and eight, when there was the you know the huge uh, uh, economic crisis and meltdown and all the big banks and all that mortgages, right. but that was that lasted a couple months, you know um, and prior to that, I can't you know it's like I said, up and down. Right now we're going on two months of being closed, and you know who knows when we'll be able to reopen at any capacity, much less full capacity.
0: Right. I'm really sorry to hear that. We're touching base with different venues around town, just to really kind of check in and see if there's any way that we can help. You know, I'm looking at the different stages here. I'm I'm sure you're very familiar with the four-stage plan here in California, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we're at the very end of phase four, <laughs> if that. Yeah, I could imagine the phase five being for bars and nightclubs, especially ones that are general admission, you know, like what we do and like what most smaller clubs do where you can't, you know, you don't have seating, fixed seating that you can block out for for a safe distancing and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I pay pretty close attention to all the guidelines and regulations.
0: You think that small venues here locally are definitely phase four?
2: Yeah, what I what I read yesterday is if you say you are a bar or nightclub that serves food, you can possibly reopen sometime soon, Right, but you have to serve sit down meals and alcohol can only be ordered at the same time as you order a sit down meal. So, you know, I'm not sure how that translates into a venue that doesn't serve food. Even if we brought in like a, you know, it's like a food truck or a, uh, say a, a vendor on our patio or something that was serving serving meals.
0: Yeah. And for the live music aspect, there'd have to be seating of some sort, right? Maybe lounge seating or have you thought of any <laughs> loopholes around that to open up sooner?
2: I'm not going to open until I I think it's safe for my staff, our performers and the audience and right. and when people feel comfortable coming back out. Yeah. Uh, when we do are able to reopen, it'll be with a reduced capacity, I'm sure. And we are looking at plans of putting in actual, you know, tables and stools or chairs to distance people and, and keep people, you know, separated, uh, which, you know, obviously our capacity is already reduced. So it's going to make it difficult. You know, who knows? I mean, there's, there's, it's real hard because, I've talked to a lot of different bands that are eager to get out and play, even at smaller capacity, maybe doing two or three nights in a row. Uh, But it's hard to really formulate a solid plan because we don't know when we can do that. We want to start streaming live shows from the club as soon as we can. Get the okay to say have gatherings of maybe up to 10 people. So we could have a band come in and, and, and perform with a, with a skeleton crew of a sound man and a video person, uh, that we could stream. We've set up a live YouTube and Twitch channels to facilitate that. We've, we're, we're working on a, a camera system so that we can record and, and, you know, stream stuff. But again, we don't have any clue as to when we can even do that. Right. so it's 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 you know it's just to kind of wait and see it see you know brainstorm with other friends who go in clubs and musicians to try and figure out things we can do in the meantime, but you know there's not a whole lot that right. can take the place of live music.
0: Right. I did see you do some live video from the Casbah. It was good to see you in there. And then I do know that you're doing Seaport Session live streams. You're a part of that in some way, correct?
2: Yes, we're doing that. Now, that, that's something we started. My Casbah and Vinyl Junkies, my record shop, we started doing the Seaport Sessions last August, and they were live once a week shows down at Seaport Village. Uh, the Port District is uh, generously funding these events. And then when uh, you know all this stuff hit in March, we decided to try and keep it going, but just doing it once a month and doing it as a live stream. Uh, and it's turned out to where it's going to be—it's being pre-recorded streams, right. just because you know we can't get a full band together to to do it uh, as a live stream with the crew and everything. So they've been fairly successful. I mean, we get, we're getting decent viewership. The next one will be May 21st with Donkeys and Paul Jenkins Right. and each of those each of those artists recorded pre-recorded their stuff and edited it and it'll just go out over the Seaport uh, Village Facebook page.
0: It came out really good and it's hosted by Tim Piles obviously he kind of connected you and I. Um, yep. I tuned in last time you had the Schizophonics and you had Low volts that was really cool.
2: Yeah it was, it was awesome. Uh, the only the only issue with it has been the the video, uh, the stream dropping, you know, which which right. I'm not sure we haven't figured out out yet. I think it's a bandwidth issue, but uh, yeah, the performances are really cool and they're inventive, and I guess the donkeys are doing really some, something really cool because there's four guys in the band and they're all doing separate stuff but kind of editing it together to appear as one perform as all performing the same song
1: awesome. and then
2: uh, paul did some really cool stuff down at the seaport village studio the other day so That's cool, yeah it's going to be good we're doing another one in june and you know they're wait- we're waiting to see what their fiscal year of uh, 2021 which starts july 1st brings hopefully we can keep that going and then you know when it's Safe to do so, we can go back to doing them live down at uh, Seaboard Village.
0: Right, it's really cool to see how musicians are staying creative during this time, huh? With the live stream and obviously everything you guys are doing. Oh
2: yeah, I mean you know everybody's uh, you're seeing people you know record in their garages or their houses or the basements. Totally, you know it's it's cool to see what you know life is like for people, and we're actually looking at taking this the whole the live stream thing is great, but then. Trying to do some other things with some other local musicians who, uh, to get a glimpse of what their lives are like outside of playing on a stage. There you go. And so we're going to try and incorporate some of that stuff once we're able to do some live streaming stuff.
0: I love that. I I get the feeling it's giving musicians new ideas. Like this could start a permanent trend. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, people are definitely looking at ways to adapt, you know, because things aren't going to get back to where they were two months ago for at least a year, probably where people feel safe of, you know, cr- cramming 200 people into a club uh, right up against the stage. So musicians are being aware of that and still trying to get their music out there and also make a living, uh, you know, or, or, doing whatever they can, whether it's releasing music or, or live streaming or, or, you know, putting up archived stuff that they've got already in the can, you know? There's anything that, anything, I mean, it's like, try it all, why not, you know? Absolutely.
0: Let's talk about the the history of the Casbah, man. Uh, You first opened in 89 with uh, Bob Bennett and Peter English, correct? Over on Kettner Boulevard?
2: Yeah, yeah, we're still on Kettner, just about uh, two blocks up where Kava Lounge is today. And that was in 89, and then we moved into our current location in January 94. 94. And it's been uh, ever since. Here we are. You know, it keeps going, and we've got a really great dedicated staff that uh, a lot of them have been there for 15, 20 years, maybe long, a couple of them longer than that. And, uh, you know, we've been able and to cultivate relationships with, with local musicians and, and touring musicians that right. come through and, you know, the touring bands play there when they're starting out and then get bigger. And, and when they get bigger, we'll book them into other rooms that we have relationships with as well. Like, uh, you know, belly up or observatory or, or the music box or, or what, what have you, you know? So we've been, we've been fortunate that we've been able to maintain these relationships and that's what's kept us going for all these years, you know, just, uh, I think our philosophy has always been uh, just treat, treat everybody with respect, uh, treat people the way you'd want to be treated.
1: Right. If
2: you were stepping into a club, whether it's as a musician or a fan and the staff, you know, the staff is, is taken care of too. And right. it's a, it's kind of a, like a big family operation over there with the, the way people work together.
0: Absolutely. What motivated you to open a venue? Were, were you a musician? Or are you a musician?
2: No, well, I was a, a a wannabe musician back when I was, in, <laughs> you know, junior high and high school. You know, I yeah. I tried to play guitar and stuff to, you know, not great success. I was never in a band, but I was a music fan. I always used to go to concerts and I, oh. I first started putting on punk rock shows in 1980 wow. uh, with like bands like Circle Jerks, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag,
1: wow.
2: English bands like GBH and UK Subs. And then, uh, opened a bar before the Casbah. Bob, Peter and Bob and I opened a place called the Pink Panther yeah. on Moreno Boulevard. Yeah. And that was just a bar for young people with a jukebox and we had DJs and that became really successful. It was like the first, first bar owned by young people for young people.
1: Right. So
2: it wasn't like an old man bar with a crappy jukebox. It was a really cool bar with a great jukebox. And that kind of, I, at that point, I stopped putting on shows for a few years, mm-hmm. and then we decided to buy buy a place where we could do live music because Peter had a, a background in live music as well. He he used to run a place called King's Road on 30th, which is, I think, around where Tornado is or was right now. Okay. So we bought, we bought this place called the Harp and Shamrock and turned it into the Thasbop mm-hmm. and uh, started doing shows. Wow, and people started reaching out again that I had worked with during the Punk Rock days. Started, you know, approaching us about touring bands again. So we just started doing that. And then in 90, 1990, in the, the ninety one, that's when the big local music scene exploded, and that right after Nirvana got huge, so everybody was looking for the next Nirvana. And tons of bands, local bands, got signed, and they all played at the Casbah. And it was like they were all from the Casbah. And, It was a pretty, pretty great, healthy scene. And, you know, that kind of spawned what we've been doing ever since.
0: That's amazing. You've hosted San Diego bands like Rocket from the Crypt, Lucy's for Coat, Truman's Water, uh, Deadbolt, so many others. You mentioned Nirvana, and uh, I was reading up Nirvana and the Smashing Pumpkins played at the Casbah, Correct.
2: Yeah, they played at the old location, which uh, legal capacity of seventy-five people. 75. Um, we used to cram a lot more people in there than that. But uh, <laughs> they both played there within a couple months of each other. I I missed the Nirvana show; I was out of town. Okay, and I did see the Smashing Pumpkins show, though and it was fantastic. Both both shows are crazy. There's there's a, definitely some bootleg tapes of the Nirvana show out there. Wow, um, that I've. Come across every every now and then on you know somebody will post something on Facebook or something. So, wow. but yeah, those were those were both early before each either band got you know obviously way huge Yeah, and uh, yeah, we did so many bands like that over the years. You know, like into the new Casbah, then like with the White Stripes, the Black Keys, and Death Cab for Cutie, and like Social Distortion, and. and So many others over the years that I can't even—I can't even remember who they are at this point. Right, right. I have to look at a spreadsheet to remind (laughs) me. (laughs) That's so cool, man. I mean,
0: such a legendary, legendary venue here in San Diego, the Casbah. Does Eddie Vedder have any ties with the Casbah, or is that misinformation? Well,
2: you know, (laughs) he—he used to come there. He came there a couple times to see Jonathan Richmond. Right. And his wife's band Hovercraft played there back when he was married. Uh this is going back in the I can't remember, maybe the 2000s, early 2000s and okay. he and I played a game of pool once uh after after the club closed. Uh, we were hanging around having some drinks and he and I played pool for rights to own the club and he he beat me. Pretty <laughs> pretty handily. He was a really good pool player and uh, he beat me and you know, it was a, a friendly bet. Nothing that, you know, I had bet the Casbah versus his future royalties. So, you know, <laughs> if, if I had won, I might have tried to collect. But I heard a rumor months later that Eddie Venner owned the Casbah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that we had that pool game. And apparently he had been on the air up in uh, Seattle with, uh, I think, Marco Collins, who's from San Diego. And they were talking about San Diego, and Eddie talked about. Winning the Casbah in a pool game, and so the rumor—this was pre-internet time—the rumor just kind of started filtering down the coast, and that's that's how I heard about it from somebody who asked me. So, wow. you know, luckily he's never he's never stopped to cl- stopped in to claim his uh, ownership. But uh, <laughs> anytime he does come around, we will treat him like an owner. <laughs> wow, that is
0: so cool. You you almost got. All the royalties too for uh, for Pearl Jam that would have been nice.
2: Oh man, yeah, right, crazy. Yeah, I'd still be getting checks on that.
0: Have you ever been starstruck by someone walking through the door at the Casbah?
2: Um, you know, let me think back. Uh, there's been a few people over there over the years. Like uh, Billy Gibbons showed up one night, and I wow. remember it was it was I forget. I think he came to see uh, Hank Williams the Third. And he showed up and he was walking up and he's a short guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, I'm standing out for, front with a couple of friends and we see this guy walking up and we go, well, who's this Billy Gibbons wannabe looking like, dude, you know, <laughs> we're like, what, what's up with this guy? You know? So he goes in, he's very, you know, polite to me here at the door goes in and then somebody else we know comes out a little while later and says, man, I was just talking to Billy Gibbons in there and we're like, Oh wow. Okay. It really is Billy Gibbons. Wow. Um, Jack Black has been there in the past. He uh-huh. came to came in to see urge overkill um, and hung out. He was good friends with those guys. And uh-huh. I got a photo with him out front, which I've never been able to find. <laughs> and as far as bands and being starstruck, I mean, it's really hard to say i mean there's definitely been some performers there that i would never have thought would play there like well i think uh recently and this is uh a band that is no longer because the the guitar player just recently died but gang of 4
1: okay. played
2: there and granted it was only the only original member was the guitar player and with three three younger guys filling in. But I was pretty starstruck then because they were one of my favorite bands back in the 80s. And the guitar player was still just as great as ever. I mean, he passed away a few months later. Um, gotcha. Some other ones, some of the old, uh, like Link Ray yeah. or uh, R.L. Burnside, old blues guys. Hubert Sumlin played the Casbah a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then seeing some bands like, well back when the, a lot of these bands first played there, they weren't big stars yet. So there was no stars for, like, I'm going to say White Stripes, you know, Jack White. Right. But back when he played there, he was too young to even be in the club. He had to wait outside. Wow. You know, so, so it was more of an equal footing, meeting, be, being there and meeting the bands coming through. You know, once in a while you'd get somebody older and legendary, like the, the church played there a few years ago. And that okay. was a pretty big deal. You know, because they were a huge band, and they they had never played there before. And then, uh, yeah. like, uh, English Beat with Dave Wakeling, the same kind of thing, you know. I mean, that's a band that I grew up listening to in the 80s. And to have him come and play the club and be on the stage was like, okay, that's really cool. And yeah. there's been a lot of things, but I, I don't get too star Trek. Most of the hmm. people, luckily, most of the people we've dealt with over all these years have been really, really cool yeah. and down-to-earth and, you know, very humble. And the few that haven't been, you know, well, that's on them.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. What are your thoughts on the all-ages scene here in San Diego? Do you think SOMA has that covered right now?
2: Well, you know, SOMA, despite Live Nation going in there and and kind of revamping it and making it nicer, it's still just a big box. Right. And, you know, the the main room is, is... Huge, so it doesn't fit. You know, there's a big ironic type place in San Diego holds 500 people and has a nice vibe. The small small room at Soma, you know, I mean, you walk in, it's a it's a converted movie theater, right? And there's no there's no charm or aesthetic to the room at all. So ironic had a, kind of, a decent aesthetic. You know, it's a shame that you know they they ran into legal difficulties with the city and there's not really anything that's replaced it at that level. I mean, you know, music box can do all ages, but, uh, it's a, it's a bigger room and Mm. it's fancy. It's a pretty fancy place, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, the voodoo room at a house of blues, you know, is not, is not, not my favorite. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, something that's needed, but, uh, the, the, Realities of opening a place are, you know, expensive.
1: Right,
0: and right now probably not the best time, right?
2: No, yeah, well, definitely not right <laughs> now. Nobody's doing anything right now. Right. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for the people, and this isn't not not venue wise, but restaurants that opened in the last say three or four months and are. We're just getting out of the gate when this whole thing hit, and now they were been shut down because, you know, I own a restaurant that's been closed for two months too. So, what restaurant is that? Starlight.
0: Oh, you own Starlight? Okay, very cool. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, I'm a part owner. I, I don't. I do participate in the day to day operation, but
1: yeah.
2: I've been an owner. We've been there. We've been there, oh, thirteen years now in June, but. You know, it's 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 real difficult uh, to, right. and like especially if you just open a place and sunk everything you had into it, and now you got nothing coming in, man. It's like a feel for those people.
0: Yeah, there's a Texas steakhouse. I live in El Cajon, right down the street from me, that just had their grand opening, and all they can do is the curbside pickup. So uh, yeah, I sympathize.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that that doesn't cut that doesn't pay the bills really. No. Yeah, Starlight, Starlight, like, like we're not even doing that because just to run our kitchen is uh, you know, it's a certain expense that we couldn't yeah. match doing curbside takeout foods, you know. Yeah. Are you associated with any other music
0: venues in San Diego? I think you have some ties with Soda Bar, right?
2: Yeah, I'm part owner of Soda Bar.
0: Um, We're going to chat with Corey here next.
2: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Corey and I. Corey does most of the booking, and I do a lot. I was doing booking over there already before we, we bought the place together. Cool. So I still do booking there. I mean, we're we're pretty much in the same boat over there as Casbah is. As we, we just don't have any idea when or what we can do. Right. So it's kind of just a, a big holding pattern, you know, like if we're <laughs> flying around an airport waiting to land, and hopefully we don't run out of fuel
0: yeah yeah that's a good analogy um anything we can do to help the casbah or the soda bar the music scene
2: well you know we we've both been doing both clubs have been doing a lot of merch stuff online with different lines of merch and and different ideas and and money's benefiting staff and the venues uh right now that's the main support we can do i mean we've got uh new lines of stuff coming out all the time. We just did a custom color merch sale at Casbah that did really well. And before awesome. that, we did a sale in in right in, in early
1: March to benefit our employees and
2: we raised, you know, many, many thousands of dollars for our staff. So, you know, and then and, and people I think will be we get outpourings of support on our on our Facebook page and Instagram stuff all the time, and just keep us in your minds. And you know when we're ready to go, and if there's a live stream and you want to watch and donate money, there are means ways to do that for uh, both clubs. Absolutely. What is the
0: Casbah's website?
2: Casbahmusic.com and Soda Bar is Sodabarmusic.com.
0: Awesome. And again, uh, Seaport Sessions live streams every third Thursday of the month.
2: Yeah. So the next one will be May 21st.
0: May 21st. Yeah. With uh, the donkey and Paul Jenkins. I look forward to it.
2: Correct. Yeah. That'll be good. That'll be good.
0: Absolutely. Tim Mays, uh, you get a lot of love here locally. I've had Tim Piles on here and he has nothing but great things to say about you. Bart Mendoza. Has talked to you up quite a bit on here. Uh, thanks for all you've done for the the music scene. Thanks
2: for giving me this opportunity to to let people know what's going on. And you know, Tim Piles and Bart have been there for uh, probably Bart's been there as long as I can remember too. And Tim is a big part of what we do at the Casbah. So right. uh, we appreciate the support and the love from everybody, and uh, give it back to people whenever we can.
0: Absolutely, my friend. I wish you the very best, Tim. Thanks, Troy. I'll see you at the Casbah soon. All right, man. Yep Take
2: care. Yes, sir.
0: Take care. Bye bye. All right. That was Tim Mays, the owner of the legendary venue here in San Diego, the Casbah. Again, to help out the Casbah and the Soda Bar, go to CasbahMusic.com and SodaBarmusic.com and buy some merch. during this downtime buy a shirt and tune into their seaport sessions they are really cool they're they're really well produced and uh, definitely worth the time every third thursday of the month the next one being uh thursday may 21st all right we're gonna check in with Corey steyer the co-owner of soda bar hello Corey. troy cook how are you my friend good how are you this conversation's being recorded <laughs> righty. so a little downtime here in San Diego. Uh, how you doing? Um, I'm holding up. Right.
3: You know, just trying to keep busy. There's always something to do.
0: We just checked in with Tim, uh, so we understand it's all about mm-hmm. you know merch sales right now. Sodabarmusic.com, Kazbomusic.com. Uh, a lot of those proceeds go to the staff, correct?
3: Yeah, we're using it for staff and to you know cover costs that we have you know month to month.
0: Right. What are your thoughts on when live local shows will start back up here in San Diego?
3: Um, you know that's that's like the question, right? Like that everybody has. I mean, yeah, we're hoping for late summer or the fall, but you know, a lot of stuff has been getting pushed to like really early next year. Wow, uh, it's it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy times, even for smaller groups like less than 50 it could be some time
3: yeah you know like and then even so like even just the smaller clubs like us and casbah um i feel like you know even if they open it up and they you know they would need to let you operate at at least half capacity Mm -hmm. you know in some cases to really make a show worthwhile especially if you want to be able to book bands that you know are able to draw you know enough to keep the, you know all the businesses afloat right so it's, you know, like even if you're just operating at 50, you know, for some bands, you know, you can get, you know, some local shows together, you know, with, you know, smaller, just local bands that don't really care. Mm mm-hmm about how many people are there but you know if like you get any sort of like bigger bands you know to just play for 50 people can be pretty tough right especially financially
0: coming you know being a local musician bro I, I think a lot of local uh bands would be down for for 50 50 or less you know what i mean but oh yeah
3: yeah initially for sure
0: yeah you guys do get uh quite a few nationals through the soda bar huh you got some ties you and tim
3: yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we center on is just a lot of national stuff. And then the local stuff is what we kind of do to like pepper around the national stuff to fill dates, you know? Right.
0: How long have you been associated with the Soda Bar, man?
3: Uh, It's been just over 10 years now.
0: 10 years. You're the talent buyer. How did you get into that?
3: Yeah, I, I got into it just by playing in bands myself. And then, you know, just, just to kind of like find a job like in between... You know, doing tours with bands. Sure. So you know, you go out and then you know get back home, and instead of like trying to keep some kind of a part time job, I was like, well, maybe I should look into this.
0: How's everything going with your band, Colts? Obviously, shows are non existent.
3: Uh, Colts is doing the. You know, they have another record done. You know, they are putting a record out this fall is like the plan and, you know, there's going to be touring and stuff all around it. And now they're, you know, just kind of scratching their heads as to when that could happen. But it seems like for a lot of bands, you know, all the records like haven't, you know, except like the really, really big acts, you know, all the records are still kind of coming out on their release dates. And then bands are just trying to do whatever they can to interact with audiences like, you know, online, Right. you know, especially with all these tour dates, pushed off so it's it is a it's a tough time for like quite literally everybody in the music industry
0: right the main point of this is just to see if there's any way that everyone that listens can help Mm -hmm. you know help the soda bar help all these rad venues around town and uh i think again for the most part it's it's merch sales right that are keeping you guys afloat a little bit
3: yeah merch sales help you know like like neva association you know like is is uh, a good way to help. Like, you know, there was just recently, we we're like emailing out to people to, you know, take, uh, you know, there's there like pretty much like a survey, like online in a way that you could, you know, write your name in there and send an email out to all the representatives in California, uh, to, you know, support some sort of a stimulus plan for venues across the country that, you know, where the first close the last to open. So right, definitely any, any help there, you know, like, and then spreading that around to your friends to get them to, you know, support that is really important because there are, you know, like seemingly, you know, Soda Bar and Taz Bob will, you know, we've figured out ways that we'll be able to stay afloat through this, but, you know, we can't forever, especially if, you know, there's a second wave of an outbreak in the pandemic here. Like there's only so long that we'll be able to like, you know, use loans before,
1: right.
3: you know, who knows how long it would take to pay it back. So yeah. At some, at some point, you know, like, yeah, like, the, like getting support would definitely help us. But, uh, yeah, you know, buying merch, letting your friends know that you're doing it is definitely super helpful for us right now.
0: Yeah, totally. You don't have to go into specifics, but is there is uh, is your lease being sort of negotiated or are you being helped in any way in that regard? You know, I know banks are working with, with lenders for mortgages and stuff like that. I've always wondered mm-hmm. if is your, at least your overhead being lowered during this downtime or, or not so much.
3: We've definitely gone through the motions of like, you know, lowering, trying to get our, our overhead, like pretty much as low as we possibly can. Right. But like, you know, the electricity's still on and, you know, there's, there's still things that are, you know, like bills every month that, that we have to pay. There's certain companies that have, extended or, you know, just, just forgiven, uh, you know, like their services for X amount of months, which has been super helpful for us. Uh, but not everybody is, is gracious. Um, and we understand, you know, like at at that point, it's like, you know, there's depending on the circumstances that other companies have, you know, whether or not they can help or not. But, uh, I feel like everybody, you know, even just in their personal lives are dealing with this sort of thing where, you know, they're getting helped out in one area, but then not other ones. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you
0: know, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I was talking with Tim, Tim Mays and even he hasn't experienced, you know, in his 30, 40 years of, of being involved in the scene, hasn't experienced anything like this. And I wouldn't expect him to, I mean, it's, yeah, it's crappy. I DJ as well. I DJ for a living, uh, weddings, corporate events, and, uh, that's pretty much screwed.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the, the partners at Soda Bar, Angie, she does uh wedding photography as well. And, you know, she's in that same boat Right. of within, within a week, everything she had on the books was, you know, evaporated. Yeah. Vanished. Yep. So it's uh, yeah, I mean, definitely feeling for just all, all these people like entertainment based, like across the board, all the sound guys, all the techs, tour managers, you know, stagehands, just uh, like everybody.
0: What are your thoughts on drive up shows? I'm sure you've seen that.
3: Tim and I have been talking about, you know, figuring out places to do that. You know, we've like reached out to like the drive-ins. Apparently that's not possible of uh, it. You know, the licenses and stuff that they have in place, you know, just their permitting. It doesn't work for that, but uh, we're, we're, you know, looking into other avenues to try to make it happen. I think that it's, uh, it's cool. And especially like, if you kind of do like, kind of like a, like a big one or do, you know, get get something that people can really like rally behind, you know, then I, I think it could be cool. Absolutely. I don't know like how sustainable you could do it because it's kind of a lot. You have to bring your stage, right? you know, every time, wherever you do it, it's, uh, you know, there, there can be a lot of overhead when you do something like that. So I'm uh, I'm optimistic because that's all we have right now, possibly. Right. Um and so we would like to make something happen. It's just, you know, we uh we need need the city to you know to help us out with it and I guess we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, we are working on something.
0: That's great to hear. I
3: would think even outdoor
0: concerts socially distance with chairs would be allowable at a certain phase. And I'm sure you guys have considered that or looked into that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that will like definitely at a certain phase, you know, just I, I, for me, like when I think about even something like that, you know, if everybody's say in the case of the drive-in show, like everybody's in the car. And so, you know, in, and so like if you can really contain that, then, you know, and you have like, you know, what's happening on stage being transmitted to like an FM, station and then people can like listen watch then that's one thing doing like an outdoor thing on like say like a phase three or whatever that's cool but that's almost even scarier because you're having a bunch of people and then you really have to try to ask them to like stay apart right you know so like the the possibility of people contracting this virus like at an event that you're holding is you know a lot higher in that case so it's almost almost kind of scarier
0: right it's such a shame that we're even having this conversation but uh you know like everyone else i hope it passes sooner than later on a tuesday afternoon you've had a lot of big nationals go through the soda bar what's one that really sticks in your mind that that you're proud of i think you had gutter mouth recently right
3: yeah 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 we've had gutter mouth we well, like five times or something in the past yep i've seen that yeah yeah there's a bunch you know like any time like you know we've had like in the punk world, like six at all. And sometimes it's just hard for me to remember <laughs> I guess this last time that we had foster the people, like they were on tour with, with uh, Paramore and the same night after their show down at the amphitheater, they, they came and played a show afterwards at soda bar. And it was like a free show. And that, that one was pretty wild. Right so, like on. came together kind of last minute. They like reached out to us and we had had them their first show ever with that soda as well. Nice. So that that's what made him think of us. But there's been so many; it's like sometimes just kind of a blur,
0: you know. Yeah, I love it there, man. Uh, the last time I was there was a few months ago for uh, my friends' nights like Thieves. They played there with uh, locals. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I don't remember the full bill, but uh, yeah, super great venue. You know that the Casbah, the Moreau, uh, some of my local favorites, man. That I'm just kind of checking in with and and again seeing if there's any way uh, we can help and and getting your insights all this. All this madness,
3: yeah, it's wild man i I hope all the venues here in San Diego make it you know nationwide it's it's definitely you know it's nobody's fault, and so it's really sad to hear that a couple of these venues across the country are uh closing up shop, you know,
0: yeah it's really sad Uh, I I don't want to speak out of place but I've seen um, the blonde bars their doors are closed at that particular location but I have heard that they're working on basically changing their location so I I hope it works out for them me too Corey Steyer thank you buddy all the best to you Uh, thanks a lot for your time man and I really wish you the best I'll, I'll go on your website right now and order some merch thank you so much right on brother take care take care all right, that was Corey Steyer, co-owner of the Soda Bar, an awesome venue here in San Diego. Check out sodabarmusic.com, buy some merch, help him out. We're going to check in with our favorite sound man in San Diego, ladies and gentlemen, Shiloh. Shiloh, what in the hell is going on around here? A whole lot of nothing. What's Ho- up with you? Holy good God. Dare I even ask, how are you? <laughs> I'm cool. I'm just chilling like everyone else, man. A little downtime, huh? A little net Netflix and chill for us.
4: <laughs> um, I spent a little bit of time probably the first few weeks going into the club since no one was there and just working on some projects, but I'm pretty much done with anything I wanted to do in there.
0: <laughs> right. I saw your post about someone spilling a uh, cocktail. Did you did you find that? Did you find that person?
4: I have an idea of when it happened, but I yeah. wasn't there for the event, so I have to assume that that's when it happened based on what I could figure out, but yeah, I didn't I didn't spend time trying to track anyone down on that. Right,
0: right. So so first off, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on when local shows will start back up?
4: That's a super interesting question really
0: that's the million dollar question isn't it
4: (laughs) yep absolutely because there's no real set schedule for that part of things you know and there's no real schedule for when you know bars themselves can open up so it's kind of at the mercy of when that happens luckily for the morrow i can say is that we have a pretty good daytime crowd who will probably come immediately back and start supporting but when we're allowed to do shows who knows right Yeah, I am on,
0: let's see, California's website right now. Uh, Stage three includes, we're currently in stage two. So stage three includes personal care, entertainment venues, in parentheses, movie theaters, sports without live audiences. So I'm assuming by entertainment venues, they mean venues with seating, right?
4: That's what the assumption has been so far, because it's been hard to find any real concrete evidence of how that works as far as bars per per se that's stage four so
0: oh it definitely is
4: yeah so i I would make the assumption that venues like bar type venues like smaller venues around town that's probably stage four and that's with a soft opening probably to allow people in but as far as crowds gathering for entertainment you're still limited by capacity issues, too, because they're going to basically you have to take your square footage and then say, cool, how do you take your square footage and then make that where everyone has six feet distancing apart? I think what we figured out for the Moreau is that's about 35 to 40 people maximum in the building at any point.
0: Right. And can you survive? Not not even the Moreau, but any average venue. Are they going to be able to survive at 50% capacity?
4: That's the thing is that's, you know, so, they say 50% capacity, but 50% capacity of that place is like 90 to 100 people. So, if you're saying we can only have 30 to 40 people in their maximum in any given time, not really. Yeah.
0: It sucks. I heard them talking on the radio about opening casinos Yeah, and how they're going to deal with that. You know, they're going to have two people per table, three people per craps table. They're going to have, you know, footprints that you follow. Um, just so many restrictions, you know, obviously the dealers are going to have masks on and face shields. Uh, my point here though, is I don't see why they can't make that work for bars.
4: Yeah. No, the thing is too, with that, then there goes, everything has to be on a, on a hardcore schedule as far as cleaning goes, setting up plexiglass for service areas, separating, patrons in in into areas creating seating where you didn't currently have seating um to be able to make sure people are separated i i think the interesting thing with that really is that you also have where if people have been quarantined together they're still allowed to sit together or be together but how do you really determine you know from an outside standpoint as a business who's actually been quarantined together you don't know
0: <laughs> right yeah it's difficult. Do you think we're going to get to a point where we take temperatures at the door?
4: If that, you know, I've, I've heard the talk about it. Um, if that comes into play, then so what uh, is your staff or your security staff or your door staff, whatever it may be for whichever, whatever place you're at, are they responsible mm-hmm. for that now? Like, or does, or do you have to bring on, say, a registered nurse per se to hire them on staff to be able to take, take temperatures and accurately, you know, use equipment. Right. You know, and if that's the case, then, so you're expecting small businesses to incur an, an extra cost. I mean, they're already going to because extra cleaning supplies, having to supply mask. Yeah.
0: It's, it sucks that we're even having this conversation. Um, uh, I get the feeling people are going to come through this and be a little more conscious of, Cleanliness and and germs, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, well stuff stuff that people should already be somewhat conscious about, but I think it's gonna be that point where it's it gets taken a little far where people are gonna be to the point of being paranoid with it.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be spick and span out there, man. My goodness.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that'll be a plus.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. You may can break it up.
0: I know you do sound at the Moreau. Do you do sound at any other venues here in San Diego?
4: No. I, I, I've i bounced around and done some little guest things here and there over the years, but Moreau has definitely been my mainstay since it was San Diego Sports Club and Ruby Room.
0: Wow. Yeah, taken aback. That's right. When they had the, the, the wall there in the center, right, of the venue? Yep. They sort of took that out, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite local venues for sure. Uh, shout out a couple uh, local bands, man. Who are your faves?
4: Oh, that's a super loaded question, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full I'm like, of them, bro. I'm full of them. I'm like, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of folks I love in this town and a whole lot of bands and many, many I've seen in different incarnations over the years. And, you know, we got a great scene.
0: Really good scene.
4: I hope that what happens with this, because there will definitely not be any touring bands for, for quite some time, that when we're allowed to start doing stuff, it's the, the local scene comes back to support itself.
0: Yeah. Musicians certainly aren't being silenced, you know, which is cool. I mean, you got to praise social media these days.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, have, having that available, you know, had this happened, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, would be in a whole different scenario and situation. No one would know what's going on, and no one would have outlets for things.
0: Yeah, I'm asking everyone about this. What do you think of drive-up shows?
4: Um, that's a weird one. Like. <laughs> While I like while I like the idea, I think the economics or even just uh, logistics of making that work are a bit tricky, but I like the idea.
1: Sure.
0: I think it'd be cool if they were to if if they found out a way to pump the music into the your speakers, your car speakers, like they do at the drive in.
4: Yeah, I've seen some information about that because I follow like on Reddit, the live sound subreddit, which is pretty much People all over the world who pretty much do live sound, whether it be from clubs to uh, major sporting events to, you know, amphitheaters and, and large concert hall stadiums, you know, and people talking about right. what you need to do and equipment wise to make that work. Yeah, The drive-in system is kind of is very good for that because they already have the FM transmitter and the FCC licensing to be able to have an FM transmitter set up to be able to do that. Right. Um, to do that on the fly is a little bit trickier because you have to set up, you know, an actual FM antenna, but you also have to go through and get go through the FCC to be able to broadcast on FM gotcha. or AM, you know, whatever you're using spectrum wise. Yeah,
0: maybe something cool in the interim. Um, it's, you know, I've said this a couple of times. It's kind of cool to see everyone sort of adapting and, and being creative or at least trying to be creative.
4: Yeah, well, be, being creative out of a uh, need to, uh, you know, keep your sanity, having something to do,
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> writing parody songs, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs>
4: for sure. A
0: quick rapid fire segment with you, Shiloh. Beatles or Stones? Forever or Desert Island? Um. Wow. Good question. Uh, <laughs> forever. Forever.
4: Uh forever. Beatles. Desert Island. Yeah. Stones.
0: There you go. <laughs> Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. What's the best concert you've ever been to, looking back at the many concerts you've you've seen?
4: Out of the 300 to 400 actual major concerts I've seen, by far Prince. Prince. Wow. What venue and what year? 97, I think, at Irvine Meadows. Wow. Yeah. I went a couple times. I went back-to-back days on that.
0: Who played with him?
4: No one. Just Prince. And and about 25 other musicians being part of that band in ra- in random segments of things.
0: Sheila E. was probably up on stage, right?
4: Yeah, it was one of those where it was funny because that's when he was technically the artist. Oh, got it. And he wasn't allowed because Warner Brothers had contract on his name, so he wasn't allowed to play any song in its entirety based on his contractual stuff. So what he did is he made crazy, like, 15 to 30-minute medleys of just everything just slammed together. Incredible. Yeah. I
0: mean, of all the shows you've seen, you said three to 400, and I I wouldn't doubt it. That came to mind pretty quick. Prince.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I mean... I worked for Warehouse Records for about 10 years as a store manager there, so at that point in time, a lot of my friends also worked for Ticketmaster, which means, and I was friends with all the local record label reps, so I pretty much just got carte blanche on free shows, no matter what scale, for a lot of years. Wow. Have you played? You've played in bands, correct? I have not played in a band in probably 20 years. I still play, but then I mostly play to kind of facilitate me being able not to ask anyone else to record stuff for me. (laughs) (laughs) What instrument? Um, I grew up playing trumpet, and then I switched over to playing like marching band drums. So I don't really play a drum set per se, but I can write rhythms, and I read rhythms, and that part of it's cool. Um, Then I kind of switched over to playing guitar, and then switched over to playing bass, and then... I'm definitely not a keyboard player, but I'm a big synthesizer nerd. So while I wouldn't say that I uh, am a, any kind of pianist or keyboard player, I definitely uh, like to make weird sounds with with synths.
0: <laughs> have you ever gone up on stage at the Moreau and performed? No. Dude, we're going to have to make that happen, bro.
4: Eh, I like being behind the scenes on things.
0: Yeah, and you do a great job, man.
4: I like the technical aspect.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're very good at it.
4: And sweet home.
0: This may be a uh, tough question for you, and you may not even want to answer it. But what's a favorite venue in San Diego uh, other than the Moreau?
4: Um, Obviously, Casbah. There you go. Casbah's got the history. Got great stuff going on all the time. Totally. But, you know, uh, most of the places around town, it's kind of based on what's going on? I mean, I've seen shows at every place you could see shows at, and I've seen great shows at every place, and I've seen shows that have been like, eh, that was a show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Moreau included. Were you born in San Diego? Yeah, I'm from San Diego. Yeah, right on.
0: Cool, man. How about a, a worst show mishap that you can think of at the Moreau? Something that really went wrong.
4: Um, I had a bass player in a band decide to plug his bass head in, And he did not have an electrical housing on the back of his head. He didn't bother to tell me that after I had placed the DI in. And when he turned his head on, he blew a channel on the board, popped the sound system as loud as you possibly could without blowing most of the speakers, Um, and then complained to me about how his head blew up and fried. And then when I went back to check out on it, he had actually take the individual wires mm-hmm. from the back of his head and put them into an IEC cable and then had plugged that in. And he had just put the wires in the cable wrong.
1: What the fuck?
4: So he should have been electrocuted. Right. He was lucky that he actually didn't have his base plugged in when he turned in the amp, turned on the amp because that would have definitely increased his chances of getting thoroughly electrocuted. Yeah.
0: And the million dollar question, what band was that? no, <laughs> Nope, not once. <laughs> you're a
4: good man. Oh, and I could tell you who it was immediately. Yeah. Also also a really cool band. A band I actually like a lot. That was just one of the stupidest things I ever saw in my life.
0: Right. <laughs> Possibly an honest mistake, but a stupid one nonetheless. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve when running sound. What should I not do the next time I'm at the Moreau up on stage?
4: Once you get for, through like the first one or two songs, ask for everything you need to be adjusted to be adjusted. Right. But if you're asking eight songs into a 10-song set for more things to still be adjusted, it's never (laughs) – your expectations aren't ever going to be met.
0: Right. And plus, you're going to be outside smoking.
4: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then I'd say definitely a hard number two on that is it's cool to ask the audience how it sounds, but if you continue – so we were asking the audience how it sounds, their reference point based on where they are in the room or based on – how they feel like you should sound isn't really relevant to anything being adjusted.
0: Right, that's a good point. What's the best spot to stand at the Moreau besides where you are?
4: (laughs) Where I am is actually not the best spot to stand. I have to compensate knowing how it sounds differently to me than it sounds for the rest of the room. The best spot to stand would be directly in the middle of the stage and walk back until you hit the edge of the pool table there you go kind of in that area and that's kind of a super sweet spot in that room
0: there you go some advice from the man himself i'll I'll keep that in mind for the next time i'm there which is hopefully sooner than later man absolutely brother you know i've said this quite a few times but this gives us a new appreciation huh for for everything that we do here locally
4: absolutely like i said i hope it brings some people out when we get a chance to come out and kind of support our scene again
0: right shiloh nice talking with you buddy The very best to you.
4: Oh, of course, man. No, so good to hear from you. And there you have it. Our
0: venue checkup with Tim Mays, owner of the Casbah, Corey Steyer, owner of Soda Bar, and Shiloh, our favorite sound guy over at the Moreau. Again, visit their websites Casbahmusic.com, SodaBarmusic.com, Themoreau.com. Buy merch during this downtime to help them out. Most venues around town are doing that. So support our local venues. A great way to give back during this downtime. Also, visit saveourstages.com and be sure to share that also on social media. Again, hope everyone's doing well. Hopefully, we can get back up on those stages sooner than later. Take care, guys. One, two, three, loser. i We're talking to you.
1: I'm Woo! Woo!